What is up and welcome to No Agenda where I have my internet friends come teach me stuff. Today I'm sitting down with Maddie Smith, aka, I can't do it. I wanted to do the, uh, <laughs> what's your tagline that you use when you're doing like the vlog videos? Do it. Just say <laughs> no, it. No, no, Maddie no, you with the fatty? It. Yeah, there you go. You got it? You got it? Yeah, just I say it. I want you to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I won't be offended at all. That's my name. That's my nickname. I love it. That's how we roll. If people don't know, then now they know. Now they know. Maddie will be teaching us the art of roasting. Um, so you might recognize Maddie from MTV's Wild and Out. She also wrote for the roast of Alec Baldwin on Comedy Central, uh, performs regularly at some of the best clubs around the country and in the world because we live in the best city for comedy, which is New York City. Yep. Maddie's also in New York, right? That's correct. And we met at Yes, okay. I was gonna I was gonna lead with the story of how we met, but I wasn't sure if you remember. Oh, I remember. Tell them the story. <laughs> I'll tell it from my perspective, and then you could tell it for yours, okay. which is way more interesting. So Maddie's performing at the stand, which has two floors. There's an upstairs room that's like smaller, very intimate. I'm talking like if you're on the front row, your legs are like on the stage. Yeah. I was there on a third or fourth date. It was like a, a girl that I had just started seeing and Front row comedy date is not really the move. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with comedians that do a lot of like crowd work and stuff. Like you're almost guaranteed to get roasted, right? Especially in that room. It's like so well lit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're on a third date, it's so obvious. Right. That you're on a third date. So are you still dating the girl? That's what I really want to know. No, no. Unfortunately not. Okay, but okay. Uh, you went easy-ish on me. I was... I was you know, I think you took it easy on us. You said something like, um, so you, you stopped your set and you kind of like did a double take and you were like, Oh, I recognize you. And yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Uh, and then you were like, yeah, from TikTok, whatever. And then you said, you asked me a question and I had a bad answer. And then you were like, Oh yeah, you're, you're going to get, uh, canceled from your brand sponsorships or something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't even remember that. All I remember is I'm doing stand up. And then all of a sudden, corporate Rashad is right here in the front row. <laughs> and I'm used to being like, I'm used to seeing you on TikTok doing jokes about Zoom meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good to like, this is the first real life meeting. So it's it's good to meet you outside of that setting. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've been following you since. It's been super fun to follow you, travel around the world. We'll get into a bunch of like, I'm kind of just like a huge stand up and comedy enthusiasts. So I have like a bunch of like stand up nerdy questions for you. And then uh, hopefully you can tell us a little bit about how you roast people. Okay, sounds good. I feel like roasting is one of those skills. It's like a useful life skill. But it's it's almost like if you were really good at fighting, if you're like a trained fighter. Mm -hmm. So like people have to kind of be careful around you. Do, you. do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But lately, I only roast for pay. So that helps. Okay, got it. You don't just roast your friends like willy nilly. Or your family at Thanksgiving. I mean, obviously, if my friends pull up in a crazy outfit, I'm finna say something. But <laughs> for the most part, I'm just like people like this guy I dated this year. My friends at Wild and Out were like, "Be careful with her. She's gonna, she's gonna. Don't get in a fight with her. She's gonna roast your ass." And uh, it's not like that. No, it's reserved. Yeah, it's reserved. It's in the it's in the can waiting. Mm -hmm. And unless I'm getting paid, I have no interest in roasting you. Amazing. Uh, and so the Wild and Out does a bunch of roast sketch type stuff. And then mm -hmm. you've written for 
the Comedy Central roast as well, right? Yeah, I've written kind of lightly for those. And then I've also written for like the Friars Club roasts and um, wrestling roasts. Like I did the roast of Ric Flair. I think the most fun was the Friars Club roast of Gloria Allred because that was in like 2018 and it was supposed to be Harvey Weinstein. Oh, shit. But he got canceled. So they replaced him with Gloria Allred, who's like a famous lawyer who takes down like prep men who are like predators. So she's like a Me Too lawyer. And it was crazy. Do you prefer to be the one behind the scenes writing or do you want to be kind of like the face of the roast? Um, I like I prefer to be on camera. Yeah. But I also don't mind writing. You know, I write for they have some writers for Wild and Out to help with the celebrity guests. So I do that, too. And that feels really good when they get a joke that works. That feels like almost better than your own stuff working. Um, but I definitely prefer to be on camera just because I'm so beautiful. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can do your dances, too. Absolutely. It's just like a waste of time <laughs> for me not to be up there. So how did you get into comedy? Well, I always knew I was funny. And then um, I moved to New York City seven years ago. So I was like in the center of comedy. And I was like, well, I might as well start because you can do it anonymously here. Yeah. Late night, open mics. like. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same thing. It's like, no one knows I'm doing this. So let me just see where it goes. And then it starts like... You start getting some momentum. So I started then and I just never stopped. It's a really boring story. I know that it's pretty hard to get into the regular booking system of New York City just because of how competitive it is, how many comedians there are. Yeah. Do you remember a specific night that you were like at an open mic or a more chill thing? Did someone like see you when you were crushing? And then from then on, it was easier. Like, how do you get into the rotation of so the Comedy Cellar, the Stand, these are like, yeah. you know, the best clubs. These are the where the tourists come. I think like getting your first club is where it starts because then all the club owners know each other and all the comics. It's all the same comics. So I remember like my first was like this competition I did at a club called Stand Up New York, which is on the Upper West Side. And they had like 50 comics doing five minutes. Also, you could maybe get past at the club. And the person judging it was the booker of the club. Her name was Candy. And then there was another judge of that, and it was, that was the Booker of New York Comedy Club. And I was like a year and a half in, and I got passed at both those clubs through that festival. And it was so random and so lucky. Oh, interesting. So they both saw me there. And thank fucking God I did well, and then did well at my audition there. But it's like such a crapshoot, because you can also like email the clubs, and they'll be like, we're not having auditions for three years. No way. But if, someone, if one of them sees you like out and about... You have more of a likelihood of getting in at the club rather than emailing. Yeah, I've heard it's like part uh, just grind. So like going to open mics all the time and getting better and being good, but also part like networking and hanging around late at the clubs and like the bookers there. And then yeah. maybe you, I don't know. It's like networking. It's, it's like um, just making sure that you're always <laughs> like, like everything gets back. So like you have to like be a nice person too. Like if you're a dick, it's going to get back to you, especially in the early years. So it's like you just have to like make sure you get up as much as you can and then also be nice and also be good when you're supposed to. That's really it. Because even if those two bookers weren't there at that show, I would have met them within the next year. So all I have to do is make sure that I'm staying good. I assume you had a normal job when you were there or when you were doing this, when you were auditioning. Yeah, I had like a finance job. But eventually you decided like, Fuck it. I'm doing this full time. When I got on Wild and Out, that's when I quit. Okay. Because that's more of like a con contract work where they're like, 
a network is paying you. Yeah, a network is paying you. You're making enough money to leave your job and you're about to have enough exposure to to not have to work at a job. Did you interview with Nick Cannon? I auditioned in front of him, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he actually is like part of the selection process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. All the producers were there. Do you remember what you did? Oh, I just like did stand up, a little bit of roasting, and then we did a callback. There's a whole video about it on YouTube, but we did like a whole callback that involved rap battling. There's a whole video. You should guys should watch it. It's like Road to Season 14. It's pretty good, actually. Now we'll drink like once a month, go to a party. All it takes is a sip of wine for me to be like, who should I here. <laughs> and my mom's like, it's a family party. I made Nick Cannon laugh a lot. I've seen some of your compilation videos of Best of Natty's uh, roasts on Wild and Out. It's quite entertaining. Yeah, they're pretty fun. I don't know if there's a hierarchy. Maybe you can tell me. But like for stand up, I feel like I see people get booked in these big clubs and then people start to do the road mm-hmm. when I guess you can sell tickets or like how does that transition happen into start? Because every week it looks like I was looking at your website, Connecticut, Nashville, DC in the next coming weeks. You were just in London, Ontario, touring with Bert Kreischer. Like, how does that transition actually work? I don't know. It's all kind of, it all kind of builds up. Like you start doing like small headlining in the city and then you start kind of closing out shows. Um, And then you get an agent. I got an agent. That's why I booked all this stuff because they just work on your behalf. So most people out here have agents who are doing all of this for us. Some people do it without agent or they only do the manager. Or they have their club contact list. But I just started headlining this year. So you start building your following. You start showing that you can sell tickets or you start working clubs that sell tickets no matter what. So you don't have to worry about tickets that much. But basically, like if you're ready to get out there, that's when you start doing it. And if you get an agent. Like there are clubs that are known around the country that are just going to sell out clubs no matter, you know, they're just like known for booking good comics. And so you just kind of have to show up and do your thing. Yeah, exactly. Versus you doing more of the like heavy lifting on promotion. Yeah. Most clubs will sell tickets, but you want to, you want to sell out a show so that you can get more shows and so that you can come back in a year and blah, blah, blah. It's like a whole competition with yourself. For sure. I, it sounds, uh, it's obviously a huge grind. Like how have you, I know you're relatively new to it, but how have you adjusted to the life on the road? Uh, you live in New York City. It's maybe easy to get places because it's there's so many like flights and airport hubs available. But like from an endurance perspective, do you, do you enjoy it? Like, is it fulfilling enough that it's like, fuck it? I definitely enjoy it a lot, but I definitely always feel like ugly. I always feel a little bit ugly. I always feel a little bit like <laughs> you look beautiful look. to me. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, when you travel and you're like, I look fucking disgusting and there's nothing yeah, yeah. I can change. You're like, I'm always dehydrated. I always feel ugly. I always feel fat. Um, it's fun and awesome, but you just have to like get rid of any sort of um, holdups you have. Like when you travel a lot, you have to like get rid of like your style and your hygiene a little bit, everything gets compromised. Like you can't be out there like trying to be vegan or gluten free or good luck. You can't be out there like maybe like trying not to drink because you got to fucking, you just have to like get rid of any sort of um, restrictions that you might have because you're going to be living out of your case and you're going to be starving. And the only option is going to be like Hooters and you have to be like, okay, I will eat chicken wings for, even though I'm trying to be healthy like you have to get rid of all of those kind of things when you're traveling. And you have to like 
slow and know that you probably won't sleep. You're going to have early flights. There's going to be flights that are going to be missed. It's like not normal. It's not a normal lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it always does feel like some of the cities that you're performing in or people are like, um, I don't know. I feel like Grand Rapids always comes up. Is that like a big comedy city? No, I don't think so. I think a lot of people have been there lately because they have a few different clubs. But definitely people do a lot of like Florida. There's a shit ton of rooms in Texas. And the South is like fucking huge. They love comedy? Canada is actually really cool. Yeah. What are your observations from performing uh, to different like microcultures in the U.S. or in Canada or something like that? Um, Canada has the best crowds. I feel like in America, we are all really sensitive right now. White people think it's their fault. Everyone else is like pissed off. Yeah. And the comedians are also on edge on stage. Like, whoa, was this something I blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, you just said the joke wrong. Like everyone's on the defense. Whereas Canada, when I was just there, it just feels like they're just there to laugh. They laugh at themselves. They laugh at us. Like it's comedy first. But here there's like, there's like a more of this going on. I don't really notice, but I just, I did notice in Canada where the shows were like fun first and no one was, everyone was there just for jokes and no one was like, and that's not me being like, I can't say anything anymore. It's more just like, oh, Canada was like, oh shit. You guys are just like happy to be at a show where you're supposed to laugh. Whereas you can tell like in the States, there's still like a bunch of hangups personally and, you know, like on a more macro level as well. But I will say like Florida and Texas are very similar, like very laugh oriented places. Um, But then you go somewhere like maybe like the rural parts of Georgia where they're more conservative. You got the more like Baptist, Methodist type of stuff going on there. Texas and Florida are so like funny. You can say like abortion, guns, then they'll they'll laugh at you. But if you try to go there in like other parts of the South, they won't mess around that much. They're not as party oriented. Interesting. Yeah. Some of the clubs you perform in are more intimate, like New York Comedy Club or the Comedy Cellar in New York City. These are my favorite clubs because they're in a back room and there's no windows and it's dark. And and actually, I only made the realization in COVID when I saw a show at the stand, but it was outdoors. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I'm sure you do. But they were doing those like outdoor shows like right in front of the thing. And it was brutal because like you'd have sirens coming by and like a homeless dude and it was just like kept getting interrupted and then it it occurred to me why comedy clubs always feel like they're in dark intimate spaces so that you can kind of feel like you can say whatever do you but then you also perform at like any bert does big shows i don't know if they're arenas but like they're more theater venue type places like what's the difference between those for you i guess the difference is like um, first of all, your pacing, you have to slow down a little bit and you kind of have to be there for everyone there. And, um, yeah, I guess the seller, like, or the stand, I'm more just like, kind of like goofing around. Whereas like a theater, you can't really like, you can't do like the little things that you can do at the seller and you can't do like the little making fun of people. Cause no one can see those people. So it's more like a bigger act where the seller is like more pure comedy. It's still very fun. It's still very fun. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you find it 
fun to perform in front of like thousands of people. Yeah. But it's just kind of like a different, you have to be a little bit more aware of different things. Yeah, it's different. Like at the cellar, you can go up and be like, talk, like do a joke you wrote that day. And if it doesn't work, you can like talk your way out of it. But you can't do that like at a theater. You have to have your act pretty polished. Which you're, you're very, at least from my exposure to you, it's very free form. It's very quick. It's like joke, 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 joke. Yeah. It's not very yeah. like Seinfeld being maybe the other extreme of like, he's just like this perfect sort of act that he's constructed. Yeah, no, it's definitely more loose than a more traditional stand-up. And that helps too with like how much the rooms and the scenes change. I'm super flexible. I feel like that bodes well. Maybe maybe this is a theory that I have and you can say if you agree or not. But like um, because social media is a really big part of how stand-up comedians seem to be growing today, um, I've heard and, and read that like the comedians that are able to do more crowd work, be more flexible, tell more jokes on the spot if it's recorded can release that sort of like without having to sacrifice or compromise jokes. Right. Because kind of once it goes into the internet, mm-hmm. you know, people have seen it. It doesn't hit as hard when they're seeing it for the first time, right? That's what they say, but I really don't think, because, you know, like, we scroll so much. And I personally, when I'm scrolling, I don't retain anything. So, like, if I was watching, like, Bill Burr and he did, like, a one-minute clip and then I saw him, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, we saw this. I would be like, oh, that sounds familiar. Mm, interesting. So, I think, like... Uh, there are a lot of comedians, like, obviously, if you release something and it goes viral, like, be careful about putting in your set. But I think we're, we have looser, we can, we can be a little looser and you can like still do material if you put it out there. But you definitely have to be careful with what you put out there. And people do a lot of crowd work because of that. Because pre-social media, it was write an hour, like for a really big comic, it was like write an hour tour it all over the country and then release it to a network so that everyone could watch it right. versus now it's like sort right. of releasing one minute clips on TikTok and stuff and things going viral. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's definitely watered down and it's also like um, the, the pace is like rapid fire. You almost have to be like, it's okay if I don't put out a crowd work clip in this month, like people are like really like putting stuff out there and, they're forgetting like what their own timeline is because you open social media and someone has a new project every day. So you really have to like focus on your own paper too. Do you like managing the social media aspect? That that feels more like business admin type work. Or like, do you do it yourself? Do you have someone do it for you? Yeah, I do it myself. I don't know. It kind of just feels like doing your little marketing. I don't like it. If I'm going to be honest, I don't. I don't think it's like why I started stand up, but I also like, you think it's a great tool. And I also don't, I'm not someone who's like, I can't fucking get behind this. Well, like I'm not someone like that at all. Yeah. 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 I definitely don't lead with social media. I'm more just like, Oh shit. Got to jump on there and do a little promo. But I think a lot of people in stand up resent it. Um, or people go too hard on it. I'm trying to like find the line between being on social media and not putting all your shit out there. I enjoy your little vlogs. I know those are a lot of work because I've had to, I've done them myself. Yeah. They're live. You take different shots and then you have to cut it together. And then you have to like, you sound like such an idiot, like recording the, hey, it's your girl Maddie with the fatty. And <laughs> I, know. I wish I was like Gen-, Gen Z. I wish I had like a more like social media mindset, but there's so much you got to take, so many photos and videos and 
blah, blah, blah. Also consuming is a, I don't know if this is something that you feel, but like I, I mostly operate on social media. And so whether you like it or not, you're sort of forced to compare yourself to others because you get on the platform to post and then mm-hmm. you see other people posting and stuff like that. So I don't know if that happens with like comedians and, oh, this person's doing a show in this city. I got to fucking book a bunch of shows coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I try to keep my eye on my own paper, but every so often I'll have like a little spike of like, oh my God. But then, but I've been really good at like not comparing myself to others. Good. It also helps when you are starting to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. That. Yeah. The people that are telling you not to compare are always like the best ones. And it's like, okay, well, fuck you. <laughs> I know. It's literally like Chris Rock and you're like, yeah, duh. You should compare. Honestly, that would make you feel better. <laughs> I compare to others who are doing worse than me. And I'm like, I'm doing great. That's what you should do. Because the people that are doing worse with you are worse than you are probably the people that were your peers. But the problem is when we upgrade our life, if you have your big break, or you get signed by Wild and Out, you start touring the country, you change the goalposts. Like you change your peers that to, oh, well, now I'm comparing myself to the, it's like, well, why? Why don't you compare yourself to the fucking losers that you left behind? That's what I'm saying. I'm staying compared to them. I'm not comparing myself to people on Wild and Out. I'm saying, I'm comparing to the open micers who I started with who, who have now quit. Yeah. New York City class of 2018 open micers or whatever it is. That's what you should compare yourself. I bet you're in the, 99.999th percentile of that class easily and the and the rest of them are having babies fucking trash yeah (laughs) i've heard one more thing on the bert thing just because i've heard from so many other comics that the taking the shirt off thing is like just so electric in the stadium how is it live it goes crazy they freak out they already are freaking out Let's give people context unless, unless uh, in case they haven't, they don't know what, who Burt Kreischer is or like what this move is that he does. Um, so Burt Kreischer has been doing comedy like 20 plus years. He started years, no, longer than that, right? Because he graduated college and was like a partier in college and all, Rolling Stone wrote about him. And so he started stand up like taking his shirt off and stuff like that. And now he still does it. And oh, I didn't realize they used to do it all yeah, the time. Yeah, he still does it. So he takes his shirt off and his whole audience loves it. His whole audience loves him. That you don't even realize that he's not wearing a shirt after a certain point. It doesn't even phase you. He does it at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a closer. No, he goes out and then he takes his shirt off. And he always was just like, I want to be uh, comfortable on stage and I'm comfortable with my shirt off. What if he's in fucking... Denver or somewhere cold. I don't know. We were in Canada and he still did it. And he's in Alaska now. So no way. <laughs> Alaska in fucking December. And he's just yeah. topless? And he's taking a shirt off. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I ha- I was under the impression it was like he crushed it. It's like almost the encore move. Like he comes back on and he takes his shirt off and maybe he does it sometimes and he doesn't do it others. But this is just something he's just been doing his whole career. Always. Wow. Always. Yeah. He kills me. Yeah. He's uh his he's just one of those people that he could be saying anything and I would be laughing because his face, his expressions, his like laugh when it goes up to like that high pitch and him and Tom to their podcast. I know. It's so cute. Like he's so nice and he's really nice like in person too. And he just likes to party and he likes having people around. Is there a crew? We don't have to go in the d- gossip direction uh, and we can we can stay away from that. But is there a like 
cliques within the New York comedy scene that uh, that sort of develop at different clubs? Are there ones that you hang around more than others, like homies of yours? Yeah, I guess there's always cliques. Like when I first started, there was like crazy like Brooklyn versus the clubs drama, like everyone doing Brooklyn. Really? Yeah, it was like so. There was like a whole Brooklyn crew of people. And then there was all these club people and they would like call each other hacks all day. But then that sort of ended with COVID because the Brooklyn scene didn't really recover. And a lot of them moved to LA and now it's, um, now it's kind of like, Oh, there's a bunch of people who are only at the cellar. There's only at New York County club, only at the stand, but a lot of us just kind of bounce around everywhere. And there's not, it's not really as clicky Honestly, everyone just kind of shows up and like at, by the time you're at my level, if people are still a comedian, you're like, all right, I'll, I'll talk to you. Gotcha. We have to wade through all the people who suck and let them quit. But now it's like now it's just like showing up at the office, seeing your coworkers, and being like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's literally coworkers. Yeah. So it's not really clicks. Like if you're good, you'll get in. But is there like a community aspect of it? Is it like you guys get together on Saturday and go to brunch and like just hang out with comedians? Not really. Not (laughs) really. You guys don't do. We learned our lesson about scheduling things in the morning. Literally. Literally. (laughs) It's not as much of that, but there is like, um, we all have like close friends in comedy. And so all, and there's comedians who drink. So I drink. So I'm always like out late with a lot of them too. But then there's a lot of sober comedians and then there's like pothead comics. So you kind of just find who matches your lifestyle too. Sober comedian seems tough. Yeah, there's a lot of sober comics these days though. You say that with a little type of way. Yeah. Well, I just like I just like a drink. I just like a drink or ten, you know? <laughs> like we're on the road. We're in fucking Grand Rapids. We might as well. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know how academic this is gonna be. I'll I'll kind of pass it to you if you have any opening um ideas for if if I'm a listener and I'm like, all right, I want to roast my friends, like, where do you start? How do you think about roasting people? And then uh, start with appearance. Start with the weirdest ones. Yeah. And their appearance for sure. <laughs> appearance. And then go from there. Start with like face, feet, hands, and then physique, and then outfit. And then if you can't get anything on that, go for go for a character roast. Oh, why do you do that? Um, just because everyone can see oh, okay. it. Okay, so it's more it's relatable. Funny, yeah. It's not out of mercy to exactly. the roasty. You're not like, oh, your wife cheated on you for a reason. You're just talking about their goofy outfit, goofy hair, goofy body, and then go from there. Right, but you're not doing it because it hurts less to the person. You're doing it because everyone else is going to be able to easier get behind the joke and laugh at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't really care about hurting them. Right. I'm just doing my job. Because they've signed up to be in this setting. And that's what your original point when we opened, you said you don't roast people unless you're getting paid for it, which is, you know, I'm sure you're joking, half joking, but like, yeah, there is some truth to like, you have to be in the setting of, hey, right. we all said it was okay that we're going to roast each other. So now it's like no holds bars, limitless. Like I can say whatever I want, carte blanche, or is there still things that you don't touch? Um, you still kind of, you kind of like have an art to respect about it. You know, like if you're roasting a guy whose mom died in a weird way, I would never bring that up. You, you like know, like what to not say is you're supposed to keep it playful, but also like you can go dark, but 
at the end of the day, it should be like more playful than crazy. Okay, but to play devil's advocate, the roast of maybe it was Justin Bieber and, and Pete Davidson was there and they kept roasting him about his dad. Oh, Pete Davidson's dad. That's different because it's like public knowledge. But if I was roasting someone one-on-one and and he wore shirts like worth, I'm just thinking about like Wild and Out. Like if I'm on Wild and Out and I know my friend Tyler's loves his mom who died, I would never. But if Pete Davidson got on SNL after his dad died in 9-11, yeah, and they're going to make fun of that. Yeah, yeah, it's nuanced. Is there is it easier to roast people that you know well or strangers that you're meeting for the first time? Um, they're both kind of the same, but no, the strangers you know well is better, or people you know well is better because it's funnier because you guys can start laughing back and forth about what you're wearing and stuff like that. Okay, well, let's get into a little bit of like process. So, if you, I, you said you wrote a little for Alec Baldwin's roast. You mentioned another person that I, I forget the name, but um, you've written for a couple of these. Like, do you remember when you first got the assignment or the gig? Uh, what did you do? Like, what was your process for roasting Alec? I assume you don't know him on a personal level, but there's a lot of public information about him. I just listed like everyone who was on the dais and just started like writing quick lines about each of them. So if you've roasted long enough, you can, you can get lines out pretty quickly. So then you have like 10 on each person. And then if it's a dais, you start like interconnecting them. So like, blah, 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 has less blah, blah, blah than blah, blah, blah. You start connecting them all. Got it, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, actually yeah. very straightforward. Who was the dais for Alec Baldwin? Um, Who was on there? I think Chris Redd was on it. Um, I think Hilaria was on it. Um, I can't remember. It was a while ago. They're usually like easy targets, right? It's like people that have a lot of yeah justin bieber i mean he's just got like years of like random shit that he's been doing definitely easy targets i can't remember who else was on it though that was maybe 2018 or something okay so you write down a couple like quips that you could maybe uh do for each of them uh based on what's publicly available about them based on what you know about them are there areas that you don't touch like they talk a lot about like punching down and punching up in comedy and like you know, lines you don't cross. If I'm writing, not really, because you're kind of just like pitching quantity over quality. So the more you write, the more good stuff you're going to come out with. So I try not to be like too sensitive when I'm writing. Um, if I'm performing a roast, um, I kind of just make sure the joke is funny first before, uh, before like mean or dark. So as long as it's funny, I think it's fine. You don't always know until it comes out. Yeah, true. Have you found yourself in that place before? Like where you made a roast, you're like, ah, fuck, that was more fucked up than it was funny. Yeah, a couple times. I think maybe on Wild and Out, I made a joke about like Travis Scott, Astroworld, like that festival where people died. Oh, yeah. And people were like, that's not, you can't really do that. And I guess you learn, but the audience still laughed. So I don't know. It's really up to question. There's probably another skill of like being able to get yourself out of those situations when. Oh, yeah, totally. You have to be ready for like something bombs. But that's just comedy in general too, like knowing when to get out of a weird set and stuff like that. Is there someone who's like particularly good on Wild and Out at roasting? All of the 85 South guys are really good. So DC Youngfly, Carlos Miller, Chico Bean. Um, Justina is a rapper. She's really good at roasting in rap style. And, and then... Probably us. Probably me and the 85 South guys are maybe the best ones out there. 
some of this is written, some of it is improvised in the spot and probably everything in between. But like, if you really don't have one, are there ones that you can just kind of pull from that work unanimously? Maybe for hecklers in a comedy club or something? Yeah, or you can be like, or you can pull out something quickly that's like, uh, why am I even here? You don't even, this is your first time talking to a woman. Like you can pull out like some quick yeah, yeah. saves. Or you can just be like, or like you called that guy a virgin once. Yeah, the yeah. Guy. You do <laughs> something quick, throw them off. But yeah, it's also scary when you run out of stuff. I gotta imagine the pressure of like being. Did did it take you a while to get used to that when you're on Wild and Out, like surrounded by a bunch of people? If people haven't seen the show, or I don't know, I, I can't imagine anyone's not seen Wild and Out. But when there's like two teams, and there's a bunch of people, and there's a huge audience, and they're like, Maddie, it's your turn, like. Uh, do you thrive in that kind of pressure? Um, no, it's really scary. It's really scary. Um, you're just really scared that you're going to choke or forget something and you're like freaking out. But then once you're done, it feels like you just did like 10 lines of Coke, but <laughs> leading up to it, it's really scary. Did it take you a couple of seasons to get used to? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm still not used to it. Cause you're like, now there's pressure. Cause I've done so many good roasts that people want you to deliver again. You're like, oh, Maddie's up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which can psych you out even more. So you've talked a little bit about like the process of how these get shot. So I initially, in my novice entertainment brain, thought like each one gets shot and then released and then maybe next season you come back. But I think you were saying on an interview once that you like kind of batch them and so you'll shoot for like two weeks in a row and then they'll use the content for coming weeks. So yeah. like, is there an element of in week one versus week four of shooting where you feel like more creative drain? Um, well, we filmed for like two weeks at a time. We've only done like four weeks once. So yeah, yeah. usually it's two weeks and yeah, definitely. I think people start off like cold and then by the end they're, they're more warmed up, which is just anything you're going to do. But I don't really think people like talk about like week one versus week two or anything like that. It doesn't get harder as you go along to think of the same joke. Cause you're just like, Every day waking up having to be funny. Yeah, but it's also like easier because the more you get close to the end, the more you're kind of just like, fuck it, I'll just try anything. Do you have uh, uh, any thoughts on hecklers or roasting hecklers? No, I just kind of try to ignore them until they get um, discouraged. That's really all you have to do with hecklers is like ignore or just like shut down immediately. But I think engaging with them is just not going to make anyone happy. Sounds really hard. Yeah. Could be worse. I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot about roasting. I wanna, I wanna try on my friends now, but no one's paying me to roast them, unfortunately. Yeah, but once you you haven't gotten paid yet, so you can still do it for free. Once you get paid, that's when you stop. Yeah, so you're still in training. That's when you have to stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Mike Tyson can't get in street fights anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, Maddie. Well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun getting to know you. Uh, outside of the context of sitting at one of your shows. so I know. Are you going to come to a show sometime soon? I will. I'll come probably try to stay local in New York City. Uh, where are you doing most these days? Comedy club or where can people find you? Mostly the cellar, mostly New York Comedy Club, and then occasional like indie shows in Brooklyn, but you don't want to go to those. Okay, yeah. Comedy cellar I'll go to if of it. Just like you have to book so far in advance these days, I feel like. I know, it's so annoying. Do you do McDougal or do you just rotate through them? Just them all. So, yeah, I guess like if people want to come to a show, just like check the sellers' lineups and see when I'm on. 
Uh, anything you want to plug? Um, my Instagram. So Maddie, actually, all my medias are so Maddie Smith, and my website maddiesmithcomedy.com is where all my tour dates are listed. You've got coming up shows all over the East Coast, right? DC. Yeah, pretty much DC, Nashville, Austin, um, everywhere. Also, people should listen to the podcast, which is called that time of the week i think and it's you and your three yeah. girlfriends yeah, great name for a pod thank you <laughs> cool maddie thank you for having me